This is Howard Anderson, news editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about health information exchange, privacy, and security issues, and our guest is Lynn Dunbrack, program director at IDC Health Insights. Thanks for joining us today, Lynn. Hello, Howard. You recently wrote a report about best practices for establishing sustainable health information exchange. In that report, based on interviews with 45 HIE executives, you offer three tips on privacy and security issues. The first tip you include is to start early. Can you explain what that means? Sure. Well, I think one of the most prevailing themes, both when I um, interviewed the executives for this report and the year prior when I um, interviewed, I think it was on the order of 30 executives, HIE executives, for a best practice report that accompanied a um, vendor shortlist report that was published back then. You know, the prevailing theme in, in both reports was that, you know, privacy takes a long time. To, to work through those issues um, in, in security as well, but really it comes down to privacy, particularly for organizations that may be working together for the first time in terms of exchanging data. So it takes some time to establish trust, to you know work through the data governance issues, to understand how data might be sourced from one organization and then used by an, another organization. So you know typically the executive said to us, you know, technology was not the, the gating factor in standing up the HIE. It was really getting all of those business associate agreements in place, understanding the data governance issues, you know, and, and particularly as you're for, organ, for HIEs that are, you know, say RIOs, the regional health information organizations, or the statewide initiatives where, um, you know, they actually may be competitors but are, have come together to collaborate on health information exchange. And so, you know, they have to overcome some of the, the issues of, of being competitors but also trying to, you know, be collaborators at the same time. Um, you know, there's still privacy issues for the enterprise HIEs that are connecting up owned or loosely affiliated um, organizations. You know, there's a certain level of trust because they've worked together. Um, when you start getting into RIOs, into statewide initiatives, the level of effort for addressing, um, you know, privacy and, and security, you know, increased. So, you know, organizations found that they really needed to start that process much earlier if they were to stay on track with their, um, you know, milestones and, and particularly for going live. Your second tip in the report was to make a privacy and security framework available to all stakeholders in the HIE. Why is that so important? Well, I think it's, it gets back to that level of trust that I that I just spoke of. Um, you know, if everyone is working from the same page, if you will, the same framework for privacy and security, there's greater understanding of what the provisions are, how the HIE will, um, you know, protect that data, will secure that data, will ensure that that data is kept confidential. Then, you know, that goes a long way in in, in developing that trust. And so, um, you know, again, very important that all of the stakeholders, you know, understand how the data will be used, is there plans for secondary use, how might that occur, um, you know, what are the, the provisions under which that might occur, um, you know, is there downstream compensation for that. So, again, it's, it's just important that all stakeholders understand how that data will be shared and how others will consume that data that they are the sources for. Okay, your third tip was to rationalize business associate agreements. Can you explain that for us, please? Business associate agreements are the contracts, if you will, between stakeholders um, in how that data will be used and how that security provisions that will be put in place, the privacy policies that will be put into place. And so, um, you know, certainly for an HIE that's sharing data and exchanging data, 
across multiple entities. Um, you know, and it could be upwards to hundreds of entities and you start getting it into the ambulatory practices. Having a common or rationalized business associate agreement is certainly much easier than negotiating, you know, one-off business associate agreements, both in terms of being able to manage the compliance and to ensure that the data is being um, used and shared appropriately, but also, quite frankly, from a legal perspective and not having to, you know, renegotiate each individual business associate agreement, of course, will drive off the costs of, uh, of legal expenses. So, um, you know, in talking with uh, health information exchange um, executives, they were um, recommending that these that the business associates them, agreements themselves be rationalized and again, and back to that framework in security and, you know, really starting to build a, build a culture around community consensus for privacy and security. The Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT just issued detailed privacy and security guidance for federally funded HIEs. So overall, what do you think of the guidance? And based on your interviews with HIE executives for your report, what recommendations in the guidance could prove to be the most challenging to implement? So it's always helpful to get guidance around privacy and security. I think one of the big challenges for health information exchanges, you know, in looking at the guidelines from ONC is you know, the level of specificity around being able to opt in and opt out. All of the vendors are able to deal with a straight up, the patients or consumers can opt into the exchange or they can opt out of the exchange, and that certainly would, um, you know, help them to comply with various state laws which have different requirements for HIE. Some states are opt-in states, some states are opt-out states. Where the, you know, so the next level of challenge will be is when you, you know, the requirements state that, the HIE needs to be able to respond to opting out by certain encounter types or by certain encounters or by certain provider types or, or name providers. Uh, you know, that's where it really gets much more challenging. And I think another area of challenge for the HIEs that are interesting are there are many of our major cities are on um, are situated on rivers because of old historic times of that being a way of uh, commerce um, and travel. And rivers were also, are also very natural state borders, so we have state initiatives that straddle two states. So um, some of the patients may come from one state that's an opt-in state. Um, patients may come from, you know, the neighboring states an opt-out state. And so, you know, how do you then manage when a resident of an opt-in state sees a provider in an opt-out state? You know, so which policy then prevails in terms of does the patient have to opt in or opt out and what do you do with their records. So there's, you know, a lot of um, complexity because of the variety of um, approaches that the different that states have taken on this. And so I think that's probably the, the biggest challenge point is for those states that have, you know, that are either the Rios are straddling or the regional efforts are straddling states with, different, you know, variety of policies or just by the virtue of where, um, you know, it's a tertiary center that's drawing patients from multiple states. You know, I'm from Boston. A lot of patients come from Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont um, to seek specialty care in the, in, you know, in, in the Boston hospitals. So, you know, how do we deal with those patients in, in their, their state's privacy requirements? So it makes for some really interesting conversations and, again, kind of harkens back to why you want to start early um, when evaluating and, and developing your um, privacy and security um, frameworks. Finally, what key steps can HIEs take to help ensure the American public trusts that when their records are exchanged, they'll remain private? Any final thoughts? Sure. I think education is a really important 
element here in, in promoting the use of HIEs with patients so that they understand the value in, in, uh, in using those and having those tools made available to them. I think particularly as now as consumers are much more used to being able to conduct their business online and in, you know, for other industries, whether it's retail or, or banking, I think one of the things that frustrates consumers considerably when they enter into the healthcare system is how disjointed and often inaccessible that information, you know, is to them. That information may be inaccessible when they have care, you know, with one part of the system um, and then go seek care. Um, you know, they get referred to a specialist and they're back repeating, you know, their whole life or medical history to, to the new provider. So education is important, um, educating consumers, particularly about the, the value proposition, the benefits that they will see from health information exchange, why that's important for them to be, you know, active participants in that and, and you know, hopefully opt in if they're in an opt-in state or, opt, you know, not opt out um, if, if that's the, uh, the privacy requirements in that state. And really just sort of underscore how there are technologies and systems in place that will keep their data secure. You know, the organizations themselves have to really not underestimate, you know, that patient data is the lifeline for an organization. Um, so, you know, organizations need to work with each other and with their consumers and really not underestimate the level of trust that's required in order to achieve a successful exchange of health information. Thanks very much. We've been talking today with Lynn Dunbrack of IDC Health Insights. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening.